you know that fresh produce is the best produce. That's why at Kroger, we invest in local farmers to bring you seasonal picks that taste fresh from the farm good, like sweet corn, refreshing watermelon, and juicy peaches. So whether you're a delivery lover, a picker-upper, or you shop in-store, your local produce always tastes 100% fresh, or you get a 100% refund guaranteed. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome, everyone, to the Take It Home podcast. I'm your host, John LaRocca, and on today's episode, I'm going to be covering Insane Championship Wrestling, ICW's Square Go event. This happened on February 20th. Um, I've covered ICW in the past. They're a promotion at Glasgow, Scotland. They have a, a, a lot of talent on their roster, a lot of really good talent on their roster and some talent that are so-so look like weekend warriors to me um and i if that offends anyone if they are offended by that it's just the truth and in my opinion like icw is one of the promotions that's on the peacock network so if you want to if you listen to this review and you want to see this event, make sure you go to your the Peacock Network. It'll, it'll be on there. Look for uh, recently uploaded on in that field or in the ICW uh, or field or the best of the indies, you know, field, I guess, or their folder where they have on the uh, the Peacock Network there. But, like, you're on Peacock. You're on the WWE Network. You're in a position to be seen by the WWE and potentially earn a contract through the WWE, either for NXT UK or maybe NXT, or you know, or even maybe the main roster. You just never know, right? So if you, sh- so the the weekend words I'm talking about, the weekend word looking wrestler I'm talking about, if you just come out and you're just looking like, you know, blah with no tan, no muscle tone. You know, just look like any old dude on the indies. Like, why? Why are you wasting this opportunity? But there is a lot of great talent on this show and in ICW, and that's who I really want to focus on here and talk about. And we are going to talk about this. is a special event. It's one of their biggest events of the year. Um, the Square Go is a Royal Rumble match, and it's a it's a Royal Rumble match. But the winner can also earns a title shot within 12 months so it's like royal rumble slash money in the bank gimmick just in one match another stipulation this match is really just pointless really is there'll be five weapons in this match so we'll talk about that when i cover square go that is the main event of today's show now let me talk about some stuff coming up um on the fight game media podcast plus again it's five dollars join our patreon support our what we're trying to do here at fight game we got a lot of great content for the people of the fight game if you want your pro wrestling content we got that on the patreon if you want boxing coverage we got that we got mma a lot of great stuff we have some special like fun shows like uh uh, 
Gary Gonzalez and Chris DiBatrio, they they do a um, uh, they did a Cobra Kai podcast. Um, so there's a lot of fun that we have on the Patreon. And again, it's five dollars. A lot of great uh, content creators and a lot of really good shows. So please give us a shot and support. It definitely helps. Um, and I definitely help support Garrett. And I Garrett and I. Gary Gonzalez and myself, we do a Raw 1998 recap show. We follow it uh, weekly. We're leading up. We're, we're close to, uh, we're coming up on the go-home show to WrestleMania 14, the historic WrestleMania, which featured a mini event between Stone Cold Steve Austin versus the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels for the WWF Championship. And, of course, Mike Tyson was the special guest enforcer referee. Now, let's get into the show. ICW Square Go happened on, like, again, February 20th, 2020. This year, I don't know, gosh. It's been a wild week. Let me just, before I jump into this show, um, you know, I like many people, I've been working remotely for a very long time. And here in California, uh things eased up with the mask and all that and so my work decided it's time to return back to the office which was a bummer for me because you know i have a little bit of a drive not a lot of not a big commute like a lot of a lot of people make these ridiculous commutes i don't have that now i'm not, not i'm not complaining about that my commute i'm complaining, complaining about is the gas prices right now or like here in California, nearly six dollars a gallon. So it's just you know it it hurts the pocketbook going back to the office and and also you know going back to the office. I am vaccinated, so I don't have to wear a mask. And and what happens within uh, what is it the, on yeah Thursday night? I get a phone call from my HR department. Let me know that I've been potentially. Uh, been in contact with someone who just tested positive for COVID nineteen, and I was just just shook my head, and I could not believe this. Right, I'm like this. This is why we should have gone back to the office just yet. If we went, we're going to go back to the office. I believe we should do a hybrid schedule. Um, and I just shook my head. I just saw a really good friend from mine for dinner, so I had to call him up and let him know. And, you know, I get concerned because I'm really worried because I have a family. I have three young young kids, you know, and, you know, I want to protect them. and I don't want to bring anything back to them. This has already happened to us a couple years ago when at the height of the uh, pandemic. And it was, you know, a rough go. Luckily, I didn't have severe, uh, severe issues. My, my, my issues only lasted like, I you know, like two days the most. And my kids had like a fever for a day and then they were fine. And, and my wife, she, you know, we know she got it cause she lost her, she lost her smell. And, um, you know, so we all had it. It just sucked. And it ruined a lot of stuff that we had planned, um, coming up. You know, I had a literally wish my daughter hap my youngest her, on her first birthday, sing her happy birthday with FaceTime. Cause I was in the root, the bedroom quarantining. Right. So, you know, I just, we had a lot of stuff coming up again. Like we always do, like everyone does. And I just didn't want it to happen again. Luck. I, luckily for me, 
I tested myself. I waited 24 hours. I came up negative. I did a stay at a home test. I'm going to test again on Tuesday before I have to go back in the office. They, I got a quarantine for five days. So, you know, there's a weekend coming up. So, you know, so, so, so Monday and Tuesday, I will be working remotely again, which, hey, I prefer that anyways. So it, so it's been a week, man, just a week of, and I'm just like spent. <laughs> so if I get a little frazzled here and there, that's, that might, this might, that might be part of it, but I feel great. I'm so happy to see the negative test. I felt great all day before I even took it. So I think I'm good to go, but I'm going to continue to monitor myself and continue to show some distance from, from anyone else and be responsible. So, okay. Let's talk about some wrestling. Let's talk about ICW Square Go. Uh, the first match was for the ICW Tag Team Championship. It was the Kings of the North defending their titles against the former champions, the 9-9. And this was casket match rules. Now, it's kind of weird that these teams had a casket match. The reason why it's a casket match because the Kings of the North, which is Bonesaw, what a what a name, and Darren Corvin uh, had a funeral for the 9-9 on ICW's Fight Club show. So that's the reason why they're doing a casket match. Um, I would just book this a street fight, but it's a little different, whatever. I don't think a casket really fits in these two tag teams' gimmicks, but... I'm not really a street fight fan either or a casket match fan either, but I will say I thought this was a, a good match. It only went 9 minutes and 47 seconds. That's a great time for a match like this. You go any longer, it starts running long, and, and it's just a lot of nonsense. So keep it short. A good 10 minutes, 8 to 10. They do some fighting, and you do the finish, and you're good. You know, you don't overstay your welcome. That's what they did. So I really appreciate that. I like that about this. So that that was well booked. Um, both teams brawl before the bell around the ring, um, which I like. When there's a grudge match and there's a match with, like, you know, basically a casket match, no rules match, um, you know, I hate when it just starts with, like, a lockup. Like, if these people or two individuals or a tag teams or tag teams hate each other have an issue like you want to throw fists right locking up is just i don't know i just sometimes I, I just like when they start fighting right and i appreciate that they did that here and they they fought on the ring and, and, and the, the brawling looked good um jack morris he's on the team of nine nine with dicky divers um he is uh you know just this the ideal wrestler you look at it, you look his look. He's tall, great build, handsome guy. Um, he's young, but I really, I really like this kid. I really think he's gonna be a future star. Um, and with you know the brawling aspect of this match, I really want to see how he handles himself because you know it's very important for baby faces to do everything like they got to you know when you're gonna be main event guy you got to be on the brawl you got to be have a good you know a regular quote-unquote scientific match and so this was a test for him in my opinion and he did great he looked really good in this brawl he was physical he's intense 
He was taking good bumps. He was, he was keeping the, the action was kept moving and never really slowed down. But the match at 1.4 small time did fall into a bit of a lull because what happened was the match turned from fighting and, and, and you know, trying to weaken each other to get get their get themselves and the, their opponents in the casket. They started setting up plunder, like chairs and all that, and big bump through a chair by, I believe that was Dickie Divers that took that bump, and then that soon led to the finish, where the Kings of the North ended up winning the match and retaining the title. Like I said, good match, great time, uh, you know, being under 10 minutes, the match kept overall moving other than a small moment in the match, so this this really impressed me, I, I, was, I was really Really impressed by uh, everyone's performance in this match. Match number two was ICW Zero G Championship match. I, I, I believe Zero G just means a cruiserweight uh, match. Uh, for everyone, ever since I, I, what, Impact Wrestling or TNA, the X Division, everyone had to have their like version of the secondary title, some some name. So Zero G is for I guess the smaller wrestlers, the high-flying wrestlers. Um, this match went 14 minutes, 11 seconds. It was Daz Black, the champion, defending against Dylan Thorne. Dylan Thorne is a member of a heel stable called the Manifesto. They're going to be heavily involved in this uh, this match and also in the the Square Go match as well. Um, Daz Black, I talked about it before. I really like this kid. Young kid. Great look. He looks like a young, uh, a Jay Youngblood slash Ricky Steamboat. Um, he's just a, a talented, talented athlete. Um, but I would just love for him. Yeah, he's young, so his he's influenced by, uh, you know, the Kenny Omega style and you know stuff from. New Japan and that, that you know just the more high flying, maybe the lucha, the lucha libre style, like he just a lot of the high flying, high impact stuff. But I really want this kid to kind of go back, study some really great babyface, study Rick Steamboat, study Tito Santana, and learn to work and build to your big moments, your big, you know, athletic moves that you can do. Like learn to. To build a match around your selling and getting that sympathy, because I, I believe you, he would, because he's such a good-looking kid, and you wanna you wanna root for this guy, like, and and if he was if he's working with someone and you know getting the heat on him and selling and making that those comebacks, like he would, his matches would be so much better. Right now they're just kind of indie, and this was uh. You know, this was looked like an indie match. Not for you know, just because it was basically constant moves and and Dylan Thorne is his heat was really bad. He could do stuff athletically, but like when he's getting giving heat to Daz Black, it just looked just looked really, really indie. And so that was a big negative. And then Tillman Thorne goes for a his a dive out the like a the liger the liger dive or you, you jump and hold on the top rope and flip over and hit the guy with your back and um, 
he flipped over but didn't let go for a long time and came crashing down on his tailbone, lower back and tailbone. It looked fucking nasty. I'm sure it hurt like a bitch. I mean, I thought he broke a hip or broke his tailbone. Um, the referee went to go check on him. Daz Black, you can see he's down, but he's communicating with him. And to see if Dylan Thorne can even continue this match. I don't know what happened other than he held on too long. I don't know what happened when he, why he held on too long. Um, maybe he just didn't even know like he did. It's just His body just automatically just held on. Maybe, I don't know. Like, he just went straight down. And I thought, okay, this match is going to end, right? He's not going to be able to get up. And he took a while. He took a while to, to gather himself and... He, he was able to recover and continue the match. Now, recover, I just put that in, you know, air quotes here because, you know, that that had to be a son of a bitch. And he had to hurt the next day for sure. So, I hope he's okay. Um, but he ended up, you know, making a, getting back in it and continuing on the match. Um, about the halfway through this match, the manifesto leader, ADM, comes out and he stands on the ramp. On the top of the rampway. So he's just watching this match with his, you know, his underling Dylan Thorne versus Daz Black. So Daz Black, he starts making his comeback. He's 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 working towards hitting his hitting his finish. And he's about to deliver it. And ADM starts just takes a few steps down the rampway. This distracts Daz Black. Who ends up uh, who ends up getting uh, taken advantage of this this distraction was able to, for Dylan Thorne to take advantage and and finally hit his finisher which I believe was a shooting star plus if I remember which was you know pretty nutty after <laughs> after that bump he took and and so he won the title and I'm like man poor poor Daz Black just really came off looking like a geek. That's just not the finish to do here. Um, you don't, you didn't, it wasn't any heat for this. It's just, ultimately, he he looked like a geek. And Daz Black should not be looking like a geek. He's one of your top young baby faces. That you, a, a, a guy you should be building around, right? A guy that should be one of the, the, the guys you should build around. And... And I just, you know, if you're going to take the belt off them, like, you got to do something bigger than this. You got to do something that's really going to get some heat. Like, and I was thinking, well, well, why do, you know, John, as a former booker, I was thinking, like, they could have just, you know, during the casket match, they wheel out the casket. It was up against ringside. Underneath the casket is one of the members of Manifesto who goes under the ring. So he's under the ring for the opening match was the, and he's under ring for this match, obviously. ADM comes out like 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 he did at at the uh, top of the rampway. As a finish starts, as Daz back up to his finish, ADM doesn't just take a few steps and stop. He goes to the ring, jumps on, jumps on the apron. The referee starts yelling at uh, ADM to get down. His back is turned. At this point, the member that's of Manifesto is hiding in the ring. He pops up. Him and Dylan Thorne hit a double-team move. 
contest, put Daz Black in position for then Dylan Thorne to hit his shooting star press. One, two, three. I actually prefer him not to hit a shooting star press and get the one, two, three. I think after the double team, you just quickly get the you quickly get the pin right after one, two, three. Cause like that that just get you more heat if they cheat to win like that. But if you go and still do the shooting star press, which is you know it's an amazing move, a great athletic move. So it's just gonna get a pop for being a great athletic move. So you don't want to pop there. You want heat there that the heels cheated the bay face at the title. So this match was you know uh, a little disappointing, and I thought they could have done way better to protect young. Uh, as black here and and like i said kind of just came off as a geek at the end and and i would never do that to das black nfl sunday ticket is now on youtube and youtube tv which means that it just got easier to be an nfl fan even if you live far away like maybe you like the bears but you're hibernating in panthers territory but with nfl sunday ticket your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away specifically the distance from you to your remote control nfl sunday ticket now on youtube and youtube tv Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Match number three, ICW Women's Championship match, a triple threat match. Um, this match went nine minutes, 44 seconds. Oh, the Daz Black, Dylan Thorne match that one, 14 minutes. Um, and I think 17 seconds or something like that. Um, but this match here, like I said, ICW Women's Championship match, triple threat. Um, went nine minutes, 44 seconds. It was Angel Hayes, the champion, versus Molly Spartan and Lizzie Evo. Now, I'm not a big fan of three-way matches, four-way matches, multi-man matches, you know. It just, we, it just, they're all the same, right? They're just all the same. They go forever, and I'm just not into it. And a lot of times, like, they just don't deliver anymore for me. Some maybe do, but this one did, right? Um... And I, I, I was expecting in this match, like Lizzie, Lizzie Evo, she's really good. I mean, I believe she's, I believe she's signed with NXT, NXT UK now. Um, so I, I think uh, if she's a talent, I'm, I'm so happy. If that's the case, I'm so happy that you know she's going there because she's a, she's a talent, a top. A, could be she just she's just really good. She gave Angel Hayes her best match in ICW. She gave Molly Spartan one of her best matches in ICW that I've seen. When I since I started watching ICW towards the end of 2021. And so I'm glad that she was in this match and I had to figure, okay, great, she could be the glue to this match. Molly Spartan and Lizzie Evo, uh, sorry, and uh Angel Hayes are both still young, uh, still have some weaknesses. But I like them as well. So I'm not knocking on I'm just, you know, just pointing out the facts here. 
And Angel Hayes, she's a champion. She's a small Bayface champion. Um, her, just like uh, Daz Black, should really focus on selling, getting sympathy, and making a, a, a big comeback, right? That just that should be our focus because matches I've seen her have in the, with other people, not Lizzie Evo, because Lizzie Evo structured her match really well. I, I mean, I believe she called it. She's a heel. She, she was calling it. Um, it looked like she was calling it in the ring. Um, Angel Hayes, I've seen her wrestle other women, and she just wants to do a bunch of stuff. And like, no, you're small. You're the baby face. You're a small baby face. You know, get sympathy. Sell, sell, sell. Make that comeback. Like Ricky Morton. Ricky Morton knew he's a smaller guy. He can sell his ass off. He can, and his comebacks will mean will mean something and mean more and get that big reaction if he does continue to sell. So. And then make that big comeback. So Angel Hayes should really take that and, and go with that more. Don't worry about it, doing a bunch of moves. Like forget the moves. Work on selling. Get that down. Now I love Molly Spartan. I love her. She comes out and she is just bad to the bone. Her lover snarl that she has. She has that walk. She's such a badass. And she exudes being a badass. You believe that she's a badass. And she comes just for her whole, for the minute she walks to the curtain. I love her. You know, she's still young, still, still learning. But damn, she's going to be really good. She's going to be really good when she puts it all together. She can talk. Um, and once she puts all, put it all together, right, gets her focus on her strengths and and really starts being a leader out there in the ring i think she's gonna be just a fun town. and i would love for wwe to sign her i would love for AEW to sign her she should be in a major company um actually i think she should i don't know if she's even been there or even trained there but she should do a, a i guess an excursion so let's let's say to Germany, to WXW, and train over there for, just let her be there for 12 weeks. Let her train with Coach Robert Dreiska, and I think he could really dial in and focus on her strengths, because Robert Dreiska is a big guy, right? And like Molly Spartan, you know, he moves well for his big frame, and my Spartan, she moves well for her frame, big frame, right? And Dreiska, he just um, he just knows the psychology of pro wrestling, of calling a match, laying a match together, and especially being a big man. He just it just he understands how to how to work that way. And I just would love for her to learn that from Robert Dreiska. Maybe she had, maybe she's already done training with it, but do some more because it'd just be beneficial for her. And just she'll just come back a better wrestler, a better worker. So this match, like I was, you know, looking forward to because, like I said, I really like Molly Sparta. I really like Lizzie Evo, and I do like Angel Hayes as well. Uh, you know, I thought it'd be every old three way, and in many ways it was. But the work, this was really well done. Um, there was one like problem with the transition when it early on when it just it came down to. Early on to just, you know, Angel Hayes and Lizzie Evans in the ring together. It was like a weird transition. But beyond that, there was 
there was, you know, a good flow to this match. And it wasn't long, 9.44. So it didn't also didn't overstate its welcome. If this was a match would have went 14 minutes, 15 minutes, it would just... It, it would have started falling apart. And that's my issue I always have when I talk about the Fight Game podcast on the Wrestling Observer site with Gary Gonzalez when I talk about AEW women's matches. And everyone thinks, who listens, think, oh, John's just so hard on AEW's women's matches. They're not they're not bad. And I'm like, well, they are. They're really bad matches. They're, they're, they should not be on television. You shouldn't just have a women's division have a women's division, right? There's, you know, one woman there that can, I feel competent that can have a really good match, and that's and that's uh, Serena Deeb. But everyone else needs needs a leader with them, and you can't unless you make Serena Deeb the champion. And I would, um, you know, a lot of these matches are put with women that just just aren't leaders in there, so they're just running into each other, and it's going long, and they get booked in these long matches to go past ten minutes, go past twelve minutes, sometimes even longer. And it always happens when the match just falls apart. It just it just always happens because they can't carry that load. They can't make it work, right? But if you and I always say, like, they just should just shorten these matches up six, eight minutes to ones you kind of feel that like can handle that. Um, and just do shorter matches. Make it shorter. The play their strengths and don't give them too much time where it's gonna start falling apart. And you know, I was talking to Meltzer about this. I've talked to Garrett Gonzalez about this. And we had discussion about this. And it's like, well, you know, they can't. They're like, well, they can't give them six minutes or less because what will happen? I'm like, well, what will happen? Oh, the, the internet will be upset. Why are women getting enough enough time? It's not, it's, you know, they're not getting equal time. Well, the internet doesn't know how to book wrestling, Right. The internet doesn't understand working with wrestling and working with their strengths. So it's the booker's job, it's Tony Khan's job to put the, the necessary minutes that these women can handle. If you're gonna if they're gonna, you know, you don't wanna go out, give them 15 minutes and they can't handle it, and it's gonna be a bad match, right? Britt Baker can't go fucking eight minutes, right? Like you keep it six to seven, you know, keep them short. Like but I'd rather have her have a, a good six to eight minute match than, than going like, you know, 15 and just having to fall apart. So anyways, not to talk about AEW right now, but I really want to just give credit to these ladies. They really put on a hell of a match. This, like I said, really surprised me. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought it'd be fun. And, and I, as I like all three women, but I just didn't. I didn't know it would be this good, and it was really good. So shout out to all these, all these three women's performance. They all they all came through and put on a hell of a match. The next matchup was uh, match number four. That was ICW Championship match. It went 17 minutes and 45 seconds. It was a champion, Kez Evans versus Mark Haskins, who was accompanied to the ring by his wife, Vicky Haskins. Who, when I was a kid. And, you know, when I realized girls didn't have cooties, right? Like, it was when I saw the White Snake uh, Here I Come Again music video with Tawny Katane. And Vicky Haskin just reminds me of Tawny Katane. Like, she's a, she's a, she is a, a video vixen. This, this, if there was videos, I know there's videos, but if it was, the videos were as a big deal as there were back in the day, 
she would be the perfect video vixen to me. Like she's she's a a, a great looking woman. And this is the first time I see Mark Haskins work. I've I've you know seen him in results. I know he signed with Ring of Honor at the time. Um, did some stuff. Like I think PWG brought him in, and you know his work was good. His uh is his his offense has some move to it. He's a smaller wrestler, but you know it was good. He's good. And he cuts a good promo too. They there was there's a bunch of promos. Um, during his show, between the matches, uh, post-match promos as well. Uh, and he cut this really fiery promo about taking the title and everything from Kev Evans. Um, Kev Evans is is, uh, is a really good worker, but I think he should update his presentation. Uh, he's a good worker, like I said, good talker, one of the best workers in ICW roster, and also deserving to be champion of this promotion. But he just simply comes out to his black and orange singlet with Kez on it, I believe it, it, it is. And and I just think like a jacket, a really cool looking jacket, a robe would just give him a, a more of that more of that main event presentation. That, that's just my opinion on it. Um this match was going really good. It was it was building to a really good match. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what the hell happened with this one. The babyface, Mark Haskins, with the help of his wife, Vicky, starts just pulls out a table out from underneath the ring. And, and this ends up working in Haskins' disadvantage and as he ends up putting, being put through the table. So, as is, all of a sudden, like, Haskins' babyface now is just... Looks like a goof. We're bringing out this table, and he doesn't even, doesn't even get to use it to his advantage, right? So that was just—I don't know who, who thought of that. That was just stupid. And it ends up meaning, of course, it happens during the match. So a table spot means nothing. I know tables are done all the time, but fuck, do we all have to make them mean nothing? Do we all have to? It just fucking drives me insane, right? Kez then gets and this, it just gets worse from here. Kez then gets control and takes Haskins to the top of the rampway. Kez locks on his, his finishing submission hold, the Cobra cut, clutch, and he puts Haskins out and drops him. And I'm like, okay, get him in the ring and pin this guy, right? Or No, none of that. Kez goes to the announcing table and grabs a pencil, and he makes his way to the ring. Haskins is still out, not moving. Evans tells the referee, start making that count. The ref starts putting the count on. Ev- Haskins is still out, laying there. Haskins just start moving to about a five or six count. But he's been laying there for a lot longer than that. And <laughs> so it just didn't make no fucking sense. Like, if you're going why if you if you're gonna take this guy. Why don't you take him to the ring, lock on your fucking submission, and get the win? Right? So, just made this... The psychology was all fucking stupid. And just... Uh, just frustrated me. Because, like I said, the, the first opening minutes of the match was, was going really good. And then they bring this table. And then this happens. I'm like, what the fuck? Just to get this pencil, this pencil. Which ultimately ends up not meaning nothing anyways. They used it. But it ultimately did it, it didn't lead to the finish. It didn't, you know, like so what the fuck? Like, why do it? It's just who who laid this match out? 
God. Um, so Kez Evans has his pencil. He starts jabbing uh, Mark Haskins' bottom of his foot. I didn't realize that he didn't have boots on. I saw the kick pads, and, and I didn't realize that he didn't have boots underneath those kick pads. And he starts jabbing the, the foot and stabbing it. And I'm like, oh, that just made me cringe, right? And it was. The crowd even went, oh, they, they just, that was gross. Um, Haskins, you know, the re- Haskins ends up getting the pencil. And he starts to jab or stab the hand of Kez Evans. And both men start, you know, they, they register for a while, but it's forgotten. <laughs> it's just like it's forgotten after that. Uh, there's a ref bump, and Haskins gets the visual submission with the sharpshooter, but the ref is down. So Haskins releases the hold. He goes to start revive the referee. Kez Evans starts reaching into his boot or his, I think he had like high socks or whatever they were, and he grabs out brass knuckles Vicky Haskins she comes in the ring she tries to stop him but Kez shoves her down Vicky ends up giving Mark Haskins the pencil and he starts stabbing Kez's head the referee tries to stop Haskins from doing this but Haskins shoves on the referee Kez gets the brass knuckles again and he knocks out Haskins and then he blocks on his Cobra clutch submission hold and the referee Checks on Haskins. He's not responsive. And and Kez Evans was the match. Again, I think if you're going to use the brass knucks, hit the brass knucks, go for the pin. No need to put the guy in the submission hole. I know it's like, oh, I want to show the referee that, you know, I didn't, you know, this is this referee, I didn't use a legal object or something. It's fucked. Hit him with it. Get the heat. Get the fuck out of there, right? Uh, what? This match, I just went off the rails. I don't know who put this match together, but don't let them ever put a match together again. Um, if the Booker approved this, fuck, might want to consider taking get another Booker. Like, if I heard this, I'd be like, well, wait, I would point out all the holes. Well, that, why does it make sense? You know, because that's your job. As a booker, right? Well, you should book the finishes. You should book even the 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 story of the match that you want to tell. But I get it. Like you want you want to give the creativity to the wrestlers as well. Like you're just give and take. Like you don't want to lay it out for them bell to bell because you know it's it's no fun for them. Like let them be creative, right? Let them figure some stuff out. But as long as they get your what your goal is, right? Um, and so I would do that. A lot. Unless it's like with some green kids. And then I would definitely kind of put their match together or, or uh, get it. Uh, one, of my, uh, one of my veteran wrestlers would help them put the match together. They would come to me. I would listen to what they got planned. And I would, you know, you know, take some stuff out that I didn't like. Now, this, if they, if they would have come back to me with this, I'm like, hey, listen, guys, what the hell? You know, Evans looks like looks stupid for not trying to go for the pin when he had the upper hand, when he had the guy out cold with his finish. He went to go get a pencil, for God's sakes. Um, 
it's just ridiculous. The table that meant nothing. The pencil that meant nothing. Right? Like, you could have you could have had a ref bump. Kez Evans could have gone out to go get the title to use to knock out Mark Haskins. He grabs a title, but Vicky Haskins is there. She grabs the towel down. There's a, there's a tug, a little bit of a tug of war, but of course, Kez Evans is stronger, so he just <coughs> throws, you know, pulls the belt, and and Vicky Haskins goes goes flying. And she takes a bump. Mark Haskins sees this. He gets goes down the ringside. He starts fighting Kez Evans. They start fighting. They start fighting. They they still they just kind of fall into the to the ring announcer there. And as, you know, the referees, you know, starting to come to, he sees what's going on. He goes down there. He starts getting between them. He starts pulling. He starts pulling uh, uh, Mark Haskins off Kez Evans, who, uh, you know, he's just he's pounding on Kez Evans. So the referee gets between them. You know, waist locks Mark Haskins and pulls him away. So the referee's head's down. Kez Evans could take a pin or a pencil from the ring announcers that he's laying on, takes that, he jabs that son of a bitch, and Mark Haskins' eye, Haskins grabs the eye, he gets rolled in the ring by Kevin quickly, Kevin gets a tight fucking pin, one, two, three, the referee doesn't see, you know, and that's it, and then Kevin gets the fuck out of there, if you want to use that, that would make the pencil mean something, so... The table meant nothing. The pencil meant nothing. Fuck. At the end of the day, like no one, this got no one over. It was it was a big, complete mess, in my opinion. And that's the point because these guys are good workers. Really disappointed. Next up was the main event, and I looked at the clock. I'm like, damn, that's a long time. So this is gonna go an hour. This thing went. At- an hour and 13 minutes and seven, sec- seven seconds. So, very long time. And that's cool. I mean, I like... Ro- One of my favorite matches, giving matches, has always been the Royal Rumble. You know, I just thought it was the coolest thing when I first saw it in 1989. I didn't see the original in 88, but I saw that my first one was 1989. And I just thought, wow, this is amazing. Because I already thought wrestlers were superheroes as it is. And now it's like this wild game they got to play, you know? like, And so, ever since then, I always loved the Rumble. So, every year, I just look forward to it. And I think a lot, a lot of people believe that as well, right? Um, and 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 so I I I look forward to this rumble because I, I like them. I like them. I love booking them. They're fun to book. Um, I think they're easy to book personally. And I'm I never I told this I think I've told a story before. Probably not in this show, but on the fight game uh, media podcast, I told a story. I was working for a promotion called Pro Championship Wrestling. They're at Oroville, California. It's up north. It's a small town. Um, Pro Championship Wrestling had this great building, the, the Murphy Center. Um, and they're drawing like 500 people. Like at the time, and, and what, this was 2007? Like that's a big crowd, right? Like where a lot of indies were doing like, what, 100, you know, 125. Um, you know, it wasn't a hot period for indie wrestling at the time. And I was at the time working as a pro wrestling manager. And so we were, uh, I was from all pro wrestling. And so all pro wrestling worked with pro championship wrestling guys from pro championship. The good ones came to APW and, you know, APW wrestlers went up to, uh, 
Pro Champs of Wrestling. So, and I always looked forward to going to Oroville. You know, Oroville is not much, not, it's a, there's a beautiful section of Oroville, like, but there's also a lot of like bad meth head looking <laughs> sections, right? But, but this crowd, well, I loved about it because the crowd was like an old school wrestling crowd. They just loved to cheer the bay face and boo the heel. Um, you didn't, you didn't need to do much to get a pop. They'll just pop from hearing the, the the bam of the of the of the mat. So a, a nice, beautiful, hard body slam would get a great reaction. So the Booker, the promoter was uh, Zach Reed, who also was the uh, main event wrestler of the Mister known as Mister Primetime. His booker was James Haight, who I really like. James Haight's a good, good guy. Good, good guy. And I always enjoyed seeing him and talking to him when we go to shows. And um, So, you know, I and my, the guys I would go up with, my, my, the guys, I, my, my crew, I guess, you know, my crew guys I worked with, you know, we used to call ourselves the, the San Jose crew because all of us came from San, or the San Jose area. So uh, it was uh, myself. Uh, Tito Aquino, uh, Derek Sanders, and and um, JJ Press, and referee Tom Caster, who is now currently refereeing for NXT. And I get to the building, you know, put my bags down, shake hands, wait for direction, and we're moving about the ring. You know, we're still early. And James Hakens comes, hey, LaRocca, come here. I walk over. He has this paper out. So I feel it's like, you know, it's a book. She wants to go over what he wants today. I know we're doing the Rumble. We're in that. And that's why I think that's all where we did that that show. And I get there. Hey, what's up, man? And he's like, hey, man, can you help me book this Rumble? And <laughs> at the time, I, I I wasn't booking at all. I was I just started as a as a pro wrestling manager and and I love James so but I was inside livid because though I got thrown into being a pro wrestling manager um, it wasn't what I really wanted to do it just opportunity came about and I did it and I was you know pretty good at it I, I thought and you know and I had a lot of fun doing it a lot of fun entertaining the crowd work with the Working with the guys, that are great guys that I manage, and great guys that we worked with. It's just, just a lot of fun. Love riling up the crowd. And but my 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 passions always was the creative side of wrestling. So I one day wanted a book. I never thought I would because you know those are hard jobs to come by. And and even and even today, like it's even like like does anyone hire fucking bookers anymore? Like it's like the promoter and they book everything, right? Look at Tony Khan, right? He's 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 a he's he'll tell you he's a booker he's the booker he's the booker, and so I'm sure he bats stuff around to the people or you know I know like CM Punk stuff is booked by him because you can tell it makes sense and it's logical. Um, but like like no one no one hires bookers the the it's he's just a promoter it's yeah. So I'm not booking anymore. Like I said, I stopped booking APW in 2019 and. Like, you know, once I had my third baby, I was like, I need to take a break. I, I, you know, it's hard to, you know, I don't want to leave. My, my wife's going to be so busy. We have three little ones, and I don't want to be that, just running around and, you know, make a little money at booking, and, and it was it's cool, cool pay, but, like, nothing I can, like, I have to do it, right? Like, like, like so, 
so I took a break from that. And I, I do miss it. And, you know, if the opportunity does come around and, you know, I would love to do it again. But right now I'm just having a great time talking wrestling on the podcast, taking home podcast and the fight game media podcast. Um, so anyways, so, but, but the booker in me at the time was livid because I would think about stuff all the time, angles, storylines, match finishes, cutoffs for matches, fucking everything when it comes to creative, right? In ring and outside. It was my passion. And here I am, and I, like I said, I love James. Great guy. But fuck, man, like, this should be done, like, a week ago at the least. At the, I would have myself booked out, like, two weeks in advance before the show started. Like, I had everything ready, and if shit came up, shit came up, and I, and I would have to change. But, like, because I thought about it daily. I would always think about it till the day of the show, just kind of keep pl- replaying the matches, replaying what I want to have done in the head. I would, I would put music on and you know walk around my room for hours going through the show from the beginning to the end and make sure i get that right the right feelings i want accomplished at the end and and like it was just a passion of mine and and here we are their big show their i think called last man standing that was their rumble royal rumble show they had a last they had a it was funny. They did four events, and you it it's you know what they know what know what it was. It was like <laughs> it was last man standing was a rumble. Then their their April show was their WrestleMania show. Yeah, it's they had like a November show. I think they had like an elimination match. Was always it's like okay. I know Zach Reed was just a big mark for WWF. Yeah, you know, that was his influence growing up, right? Um, <laughs> so. So I literally had to book this match, this 30-man rumble match. And I did it. I told James to write down the order of entry, who's eliminating who, who's the final four, who's, you know, the winner was already planned. So, you know, he knew that. <laughs> Thank you. But I I, you know, I picked, you know, I picked the final four. I, I just, you know, picked the flow of the match and laid it all out. And, and I, you know, I took care of my boys. I mean, why, why not? Right. If I'm going to be booking it, like I'm going to be taking care of my boys. Like, um, and I go to my, my guys and I, and I'm like, tell them what happened. And I, they know, and I was pissed. Right. Like, I was just like, I can't believe this. It's like, they don't, they just wasn't even ready to prepare. No one was prepared. No one. I was just mad. And I told, uh, Derek Sanders, I'm like, uh, you're going to be the Iron Man. And basically, you're going to start early and you're last towards the end. And he's like, that's cool, man. I, I want to fucking work. We drove all this way. I, I, want to, I want to be in there. So cool. So it was great. Like, it ended up being a, a good match. I don't know. How, I mean, I don't know. Was it really good? What I, I didn't even go back and rewatch it. But the crowd was hot. Like I said, that crowd loves wrestling. They had a good time. And they were making a lot of noise. And they popped for the finish and everything. So I think I accomplished put on a good rumble match so ever since then like i just fully confident in rumble matches the book i think they're pretty simple what you gotta do is you have your 30 guys you obviously have your winner right you start there <laughs> and then you have your final four you figure who that's out and you kind of look at your stories that you have with the with the uh with the opponents with all, all the competitors in the match right so you kind of like find time to focus on this story here a little something this story here Find moments to 
you get some, you know, some beats, right? And you kind of just like, okay, this is going to happen here. And you have like, who's going to open, who's going to be the first two. Um, and what I would always do is I would take a veteran wrestler and I would kind of make them the in-match leader, right? They're going to, they're someone who could remember, who has a good memory of stuff, who can kind of dictate uh, direction in there. And I would always have a guy that would do that for me. Like, a, and um, someone I trust to do that. And it's, you know, to tell guys, hey, it's time for you to go out. Kind of give direction, right? Because at the time, ABW didn't have uh, earpieces to referee. So I had to have a, one of the guys in the ring kind of, you know, call out my call out the demands of who's being eliminated next and whatnot, whatnot. Um, this match here overall, it was fun. Like, I like Romo matches. But <laughs> I didn't understand. This must be something that they started off way back. And so that's why they still do it. But the five weapons allowed in this rumble. What? I Okay, ultimately, these five weapons meant nothing. They didn't win the match for anyone. They didn't turn a tide for anyone. They would give someone an upper hand. They brought something in, right? Like, that was... But... But, like, other than that, like, that's all it was. It was just – and the, the five weapons was a kendo stick, <laughs> a steel chair, a, a pool cue, a steel pipe, and you heard – yes, a, I can't believe I'm saying this – a big block of cheese. <laughs> and we'll get to more of that as I run down this rumble. Now I'm not going to run down every entry and every elimination. I'm just going to kind of bounce around and uh, but, you know b- b- go through it and talk about some of them, uh, the bigger entrances and who kind of stood out. Um, so opening uh, two, first two were Jason Reed, who's a good young worker, good looking athlete, ha- great little heel, uh, has that just that that cocky arrogant you want to smack this kid um i i, I like this kid and next was also uh, number two was theo doros he's a, also a heel which was interesting two heels starting off the the rumble match but i like that like that's cool like it doesn't have to be Bayface and heel like let's let's if it's gonna be random like it would be random if two heels started right so i like that i like that a lot um, and Theodorus, he's 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 good too. He's a, another guy, another great building block for ICW. Jason Reed, Theodorus, Des Black, Kez Evans. Um, you know, there's 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 more as I'll go through. Um, number six was I don't even remember seeing this guy, and but judging by his ring gear, his look, I probably skipped his matches because he just I don't know, just, just like we looks like a weekend warrior to me, so. I I'm, I'm more interested in the guy that's going to be the next generations, right? Who's going to be, who's going to be the next guy? Who's going to be in WWE? He's going to be in a, in a major promotion. Um, it was so Luke King Sherkill, the first weapon, the candlestick, and he used it, got the advantage, and like all these, except one <laughs> of the weapons, this candlestick is used for a while and it's gone. It just disappears. No one else uses it. It just kind of just disappears number seven was Sheik Al Sham tall good looking athlete great like I said great freaking look look you know 
looked well, did, did a good job in the ring. Like I, I was impressed. I want to see more of him. Why is this guy not signed to WWE? They're looking for, you know, talent from the Middle East, and he should be there, right? Um, I thought he performed really well. Number 10 was Chris Bungard. He's the uh, MA fighter who had a really good match with uh, his debut wrestling match with Jason Reed at the Fear and Loathing event in November. Um, loved that match. Naturally, you know, he was a surprise here, and he went right after Jason Reed, and they had a great exchange with Jason Reed and his his uh, his coach. They they went at it, and good stuff, man. And, and Bungard ended up eliminating Jason Reed, so I, you know, I assume they're going to be doing a singles match. Uh, they're doing a cage match in uh, in April. So really looking forward to the match because I really liked, uh, like I said, their match in November. I thought it was really good. And one of the highlights of the two-night fear loading event. Um, huh. Here comes the block of cheese. Match uh, Entrant number 13 was Ravy Davey uh, with his block of cheese. Man. Goofball. I guess a guy rap. I don't know. He's rapping. I don't know. He had a block of cheese. Came in. Did some weak looking shots with that. Of course, like it's a you know, a block of cheese is pretty heavy. This is a big block of cheese. I'm not talking about a little little block you, you know, I'm talking about a big one that you can swing with two hands. And <sighs> ridiculous. And it's he lasts forever, this guy, with this damn block of cheese. And, you know, if you really swung that thing, it could really hurt someone, right? So he's doing these really phony looking shots with it so you, you know so it's, it's a hard thing to work and it's just stupid just dumb it's a block of cheese so it's a joke and i hate stuff that just makes everything a joke because it just makes the whole match a joke right and i just really just didn't like this but he's in it forever so it's like next up was was big damo former killian dane in wwe like a hell of a worker. Love his work. Such a smart big man worker. He's a guy that should maybe Molly Smart doesn't need to go far. He could should train with Big Damo and he could he could show her psychology for a, a larger wrestler. Um but I would have flipped this. And this is what I would have done. Okay, Ravy Davy comes in. If he came to me, first of all, I probably, I probably would have said no. Actually, I know I would have said no. A block of cheese, right? But maybe he's pushing. Maybe I'm feeling giving. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. What we're going to do is Big Damo is going to be the guy that comes out before you. He's going to be number 13. He comes out. He starts, you know, comes in just hitting everyone with something and just, just being a wrecking ball. Eliminate, maybe eliminates one or two people, right? Then comes Ravy Davey with his damn block of cheese. He rolls in. He looks right. He just right stare. And Big Dad was there to meet him, right? And Wavy Davey looks. He's kind of like freaked out. Like, oh, because he's a goofy guy. He's a comedy Garrett. He's a comedy guy. Uh, oh, no, oh, no. The Big Dad was going to destroy me. So he boots Damo in the gut. Damo registers and sells a little bit. And then Davey hits Damo on top of the head with that block of cheese. But Big Damo doesn't sell it. Looks at him, eyes wide, pissed off, 
fucking clocks Wavy Davy the big old clothesline. Picks him up and just shit cans him with a top rope. Picks up that block of cheese and just tosses it. Hits Ravy Davy. And Ravy Davy's gone out of this match. That's what I would have done. But no, this this dude, Ravy Davy, and this damn fucking block of cheese in this match. Down here, down towards the end. I thought, man, this guy gonna be a final four. I'm gonna I'm gonna lose it. He wasn't, thank God. Matt, uh, match. I keep wanting to say match. Entrant number 17 was Leighton Buzzard, a, a guy I really enjoy his work. Uh, when I watched Fear and Loathing, I didn't watch the whole show. I uh, I went through and, because they were showed like the card on the big entrance video, right? Before the before the show. And this is like, I think, this is, yeah, this was the first ICW show I watched. So I didn't know a lot of these guys and gals. I saw a lot of from the graphics, just a lot of guys are like, wow, man, these guys are on the Peacock Network. You know what I mean? So, and I, unfortunately for uh, for Late Buzzer at the time, like the picture he had was an old picture or something. I don't know. It, it was, it, I just didn't watch his match. But I, after I watched Fear and Loathing, there was wrestlers that I really liked. So I kind of wanted to go and watch their Fight Club TV show, and but only would watch the matches of the guys I was interested in. The guys I saw would be future stars. Guys I saw, I could see them on national television. And so I would always kind of fast forward to matches I didn't want to see and, wait, and watch the guys that I that I like. Um, luckily for Leighton Buzzard, I was really impressed with um, ICW's backstage interviewers. I forget the girl with the dark hair's name. But my favorite one is... Jen Louise, who wasn't on this show. I don't know where she was. I mean, I couldn't believe it because she's so good at her job as a backstage interviewer. I just interviewed her. I just talked about her in a recent episode as my one of my dream team, announced team uh, members. I would just love to have her for as a, a, a backstage um, uh, interviewer. She's so good at the job. And so, you know, I always would just stop and watch the promos Especially from her doing the interviews because just, I just wa- like watching her work. She's just such a professional and doesn't take – she's not a, she doesn't stand as a gimmick and doesn't take away from the wrestlers. She, she, she just really does her job really well. And she was interviewing Leighton Buzzard. And Leighton Buzzard I'm, – so I'm, now I'm, this is the first time I'm really watching Leighton Buzzard and he's talking. And he cuts this fucking hell of a promo. A good promo actually. And I'm like, Wow. All right. And I think in another show he comes out and he cuts a great, he in the ring and he cuts a great promo. And I'm like, holy shit, this kid could talk. Right? So I'm like, okay, Layden Buzzard, you got my attention and I'm going to be watching your matches from now on to see if you're good in the ring as you get on the mic. And he was. He's a good worker. And uh, uh, another building block that this company has. Entry number 18 was Caleb Valhalla. He's a green young muscle guy. He looks, you know, looks like a Viking. He's jacked. He gets in there and, you know, he starts going toe-to-toe with Damo, but it's just not not exciting. You know, not too exciting. Like it's just feel like a big moment, right? Um the match starts getting all just a bunch of people in the ring. There's too many people in the ring. And and as I mentioned, they kept they kept mentioned a few times that Theo Daros started number two, still in there, but he's just literally hanging on the rope, hanging on the 
laying on the laying on the laying on the, on the apron. You know, he would feed for some stuff for people that came in, but like he never did anything to stand out to get all your attention. That he's still in there, right? There's no focus other than being there for a very long time, not to spoil anything. Like he just, he just doesn't like. They're not giving moments. You gotta give a little. You gotta show him. He's still in there. You gotta. Give him a, a a a bigger moment to kind of call attention to him. So you're like, oh shit, he's still in there. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. You know, as simple as hanging over the the the, the top rope and being nearly being eliminated. He's holding on for dear life. You know, just that shot, right, of him. And also let him eliminate a couple people here and there. Just just kind of keep the people remembering, like, oh shit, he's still in there. Number nineteen was. Saqib Ali, and he comes out, I don't know, wearing pajamas, <laughs> I don't know if we, fucking, what else was his gear, and he comes out like Stone Cold Steve Austin, he starts freaking stunner, giving a stunner to everyone in the ring, even Big Damo takes a bump, this guy's like, he's tall, but he's skinny, a skinny dude, doesn't look like much, like, he just, just looks like a, just like any guy you see on the street, and he's fucking stunnering Big Damo, and Damo's taking a bump, and I'm like, what the fuck? If anyone was going to stop this guy from stunning everyone, it would have been Big Damo. But you know who fucking stopped him? You want to know who it was? Ravy Davy and his block of cheese. I sh- And it was looked like shit. And it, I was just livid that this dude's still in there with this damn block of cheese. My goodness gracious. Out at number 21 was BT Gunn. He's, you know, a longtime veteran of this promotion. Uh, uh, he's a king of his, he's a king of insanity. I think he won the king of insanity match of Fear and Loathing, right? I guess a big, I guess, a, was there, is there a deathmatch guy? I don't even know what. The, hardcore guy. That's like the stamp of a hardcore guy title. I don't know if it's on a belt. I think it's just a, just a, it's a, just a title to have. And he doesn't come out with any weapons. The the guy that's the king of the sand, he has no weapons, right? That's that was weird. But he comes in there and you know starts cleaning house for a while. Doesn't eliminate. I don't think he. I mean, eliminate a couple people. Doesn't really stand out too much. Next was Andy Wilde, the guy I really like. I talked about in the past. I really liked his. I like his work. I lo, I, I enjoy his matches in NXT UK when he goes up there and he and when he goes there and does stuff for NXT UK. Always puts on a really good quality match. Um. And before Andy Wilde got in the ring, because, you know, he had a match with Damo at uh, Fear and Loathing. So there's history there, and that history is still continuing. Damo, who's a heel, he steps out of the ring, right? Under the under the top rope, so he's not eliminated. He steps out, sneaks out in the back. Like, so as Andy Wilde comes in, he starts suplexing everyone, right? And then... As he suplexes his final guy, Big Demo comes from behind and clocks. What a what a what a good heel. That makes sense. That 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 works, right? They start trading for a few minutes. Not not a few minutes, guy. A few seconds. There's a couple trades. Well, back and forth. And then who gets between them? Who stops these two big guys going at it? Who stops one of your big feature future matches? Or who stops? When your current programs, 
who stops a match with one of your biggest stars? Guy who was just on T- NXT and WWE. Ravy Davy. Didn't have his fucking block of cheese. I don't know where it happened to it. I don't know who had it. He gets between them. And they start double team Ravy Davy. I'm like, okay, let's get rid of this dude. Now this is the time. Get him out of there. They start put him in like an almost like a a swing, like you do with your kid. Like you 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 your spouse would get one hand and one leg, and you get the other hand and leg, and you start swinging them, right? And Damo doesn't even have him by his ankle. He just has him by his pants. And he, Damo just dro- drops him and starts swinging at any while. So maybe they just realize this is just a bunch of shit. <laughs> just, just go do it. <sighs> what I would have done here for Andy Wilde and Damo, see, they're not winning it, right? This is their part to continue their story that's going to lead to a future match. I think they're going to be wrestling in a cage match as well coming up. In the, the in April, I think it's a whole show of cage matches, which uh, I don't understand because it's just one cage match. You got two matches is too many. Two cage matches too many in one show. A whole show of cage matches. I know Impact Wrestling did that in the past. Lockdown, I think they call their show, but it doesn't mean anything, right? Like you see, so what? what end up so ultimately in three hours, the full three the cage match means nothing. But each cage match, oh, but each cage, one's, one's a, one has weapons, one has this. No. It means nothing. It's stupid. I don't know why people think this is a thing. Like, don't do it. You put your big feud in a cage match or a, a match that a cage match is needed, right? It, it, it fits their story. Just don't put people in the cage match, put people in the cage match. Uh, Jason Reed versus uh, Chris Bungard. Makes perfect sense. Chris Chris Bungar, MA fighter, fights in cages for his career. And Jason Reed, who's been this 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 cocky ass heel, now he has to go into Chris Bungard's environment, the cage, right? Like, that's great. That's to be the main event of that show. Lights out. You can make a big old thing of it, right? Not a full show of cage matches. But anyways. So Again, this is just one moment of the the Royal Rumble, of the Rumble match. You don't have to. They don't have to be in there. So for Big Andy Wilde and Big Demo, all you need to do is when Andy Wilde comes in. I like what they did. Big Demo sneaks out the back. They should have focused. They should have had a shot of that. Like you got to go over everything with your production. Like I would sit down with our book or our production guys. You know, pre-booking meeting, I would, would call it. I would just get with the production team. And I would kind of say, you know, try to get this shot or, you know, try to give them all the big moments to so the director could catch everything, right, for the video. So so they should have caught a shot, a just big demo getting out during any Wilde's entrance. You see it in the background, right? And the and the, the thank goodness the play play guys did bring it up, but like you see it like to the left. If you're not if you're not looking, you're not seeing it, right? Like you have to focus on it to to make it mean something. And focus that he's hiding out and waiting to waiting to take advantage. 
of Andy Wilde not looking. And I kid, Andy Wilde, have him come in, have him suplex a few people in the ring, have him eliminate at least one person. Um, and then once he starts looking like he's going to suplex maybe a, a heel, maybe Theodoros at this time, maybe he looks like he's going to launch him. Um, that's when Big Demo strikes from behind, right? And then let him start swinging. Both men, boom, boom, right in the middle. Boom, boom, give them space. Boom, boom, focuses all on them. It's fast. It's bam, 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 bam. Then they, they start working their way towards the rope. Bam, bam, they both tumble over the rope. Then they're both eliminated, right? And they start fighting to the back. Bam, bam, bam. Now you get referees that's trying to get between them. Now you get officials trying to between them. And that essentially happened. They both ended up fighting, getting close to ropes. Someone else eliminated them. They both tumbled out. They both fought off. But there's no, no one was really trying to stop them. It just, they just fought off. Just fought off. And it meant, it doesn't mean anything, right? <coughs> it needed to be chaotic. It need, it, it, you really, it sh- that should have been the whole focus on this match. So that was that. And there could have been so much to this. It didn't have to be like it's not about Andy Wilde getting a lot of minutes in the rumble. It's, you know, it's not about that. Like it's about continuing their program. Cuz you, you like I said the rumbles is a bunch of different little programs that are happening, but you have your winners, you know, you have and you you get focus and you're doing stuff to lead to future business. So this is what this is what would have been one of them for me. Like okay, okay, we're building a rematch with Big Damo versus Andy Wild, and so this is what we're gonna do. And that and I would lay out the scenario I I did, just said here a few seconds ago. And like I said, this just meant nothing from just end up meaning nothing. And I, I it just it's a bummer because those both guys are really good. And that and that should be a big match. It should and it should deserves its attention. Uh, entrant number twenty three was my girl, Molly Spartan. She, I don't know. She has a and she comes out with one of the weapons, a steel chair. Not worse. Not sure why she was in this. Honestly, she didn't need to be at all. Maybe just the pop of a woman entering the the rumble. But hey, I'm not gonna knock it too much because you know why. Molly Spartan looks a lot tougher than a lot of these guys that I don't even mention their name because it's not worth mentioning in this recap of the Square Go match. Like, she just, I mean, she's more badass than a lot of these, you know, these dudes on this roster, right? So, I'm believing she's going in there and sticking around and be able to fight with anyone. A couple of the guys and not, you know, a bunch of other guys. I just not. Oh, man. Those are the weekend warrior guys I'm talking about. Um, so she comes with a steel chair. Okay. She's, you know, I get it. I can see her bringing a weapon. Now, now by the way, there's no rhyme for rhyme or reason why five wrestlers have, have weapons. Like, why do they get to do it? Why can't someone else get it? Like, is there a lottery? Is there just whoever shows up first with the weapon, like the first five people in the building that are going to be in this match, like, oh, hey, I'm going to bring a kendo stick. Oh, you brought a kendo stick? Okay, you can use that. You know, like, like what? There's no there's no reason why. And that's why I think it's pointless. Like, you should just drop this 
Because again, ultimately didn't even play to the finish. And I'll, I'll talk continue to talk about how stupid these weapons are. But Molly, you know, she brings up Charon. Which you would think like a weapon that you would bring to a ring. I'm not a fan of Kenno sticks. I hate that. And it's just and a block of cheese, my goodness. Out uh entry number twenty four was Aaron Echo, and he had a weapon as well. He had a, a pool cue. Now, the ring is really crowded at this point. He's in there swinging this pool cube, and people are feeding him. And and it's really dangerous because, like, anyone that's not looking or paying attention could just get that pool cue, get a slap in the back of the head or hit him in the eye. Or they're not looking, and it's just it was very dangerous. Echo's like a tall guy, like wears street clothes. And he's presented as a badass in ICW. So it's a bit goofy that the one of the biggest badasses in your company that you're promoting as a badass has to bring a weapon in the ring. So to me, that doesn't really show show him as a badass, right? I think the weapon should have been for the for even even Molly Spartan did a new weapon, right? Like I said, she's tougher than a lot of these guys in this match. It, it should have been for the geeks, right? The the heelish geeks that the undercard heels that need a little something, or maybe I mean a couple undercard bay face, smaller bay faces that could use it, right? So that was weird. Uh, at this point, after this happens with Arnucko's entry entry in the ring with the Puka, this is where uh, Big Damo continue to fight each other, and then end up getting eliminated, and they end up fighting out the back. So number twenty six is Martin McAllister, who is. I guess he's a rookie, or I don't. He is a little skinny guy. So I honestly, I don't think I've ever seen him wrestle a match by the belt because he's probably one like a guy I would skip right on the show. Like, and he comes out, and so I'm guessing he's he's new. He's a r- new rookie, and he's he comes out and he's all excited to be in this square go match, but he's quickly jumped by uh, the manifesto. Members of Grant McIver and Eddie Castle. And then their leader, ADM, comes out. And all three men just enter the square go. Which is illegal, but it's a rumble. If you're bringing weapons, I guess extra people can show up. You know, the rumble, it's, it's a lot of no rules. So you just, other than, you know, if you go to the top rope, your feet at the floor, you're eliminated, right? So so they come in. They, they triple team people, you know, story there. Number 27 was Daz Black. Oh, good. This kid could redeem himself after that goofy finish they gave this poor kid and took the belt off him. Uh, he comes out, but he does some choreographed spots with Manifesto that kind of just didn't look that good. Just just, just, just look choreographed and fake, honestly. Just didn't didn't like it at all. Um, like, he needs to come in. Like I said, more just instead of, like, doing these spots set up, like he's jumping over people's backs and then, I don't know. It's just, just this is like choreographed stuff. So was wasn't the best, but I do like this kid Daz Black a lot. Um, entry number twenty eight was Jack Jester, who was a a babyface. I'm guessing he's a babyface. Yeah, he's a babyface. He's a babyface. Tall guy has one white eye. He's kind of a, supposed to be a kind of crazy man, I guess. He comes out with the last weapon, a steel pipe, which looked like an aluminum pipe, but it's a steel pipe, right? <laughs> steel pipe is what we're we're selling here. And he comes in, he starts hitting a bunch of people with this pipe. 
like all these weapons again why these weapons are stupid because ultimately like they don't do anything they don't really cause any damage like if you hit someone with the fucking pipe they're done right blood is coming out of their heads so as he's going through he's just hitting people with this pipe molly spartan guess goes after him he looks at molly spartan she's a heel he clocks her with that pipe it's a big old pop. Of course it would, right? But you think that would eliminate? You think that would be, like, she would knock down, she'd be done. Like, she can't even continue. And she's be stretched out. And she needs medical attention because she got hit with a pipe in the head. No, she's just down. She's down. And she doesn't get eliminated later. <laughs> it's so, it meant nothing. It was for the pop. It's just a pop. It got a pop. But it meant nothing. And it made a steel pipe mean nothing. And then what he did after Mo- after Jack Jester hit Molly Spartan with the, with the pipe. You'd think he'd keep it and keep at it. Try to win this damn fucking match with it. No, he just drops it. Puts it on the ground. For anyone else to grab and use. But guess what? Like all these other weapons. Minus the block of cheese I was in there forever. It just disappeared, just like the pool cue, just like the 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 steel chair, just like the kendo stick, just disappeared. No one else used it for their advantage. It just it's just gone. Meant nothing. <laughs> just just meant nothing. That's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Jack Jester ends up eliminating the two manifesto members who are not legally in the match, so they're gone. Number 29 was Sweeney. Big guy. Jeans. Black black jeans, black tank top. Kind of looked like Ed O'Neill. Young Ed O'Neill. From Married Children, Modern Family. Al Bundy. Came out. Slowly. Slouched to the ring. And there's all of a sudden there's technical difficulties with the entranceway. There's no music. And he swing turns around and just throws his arms up in frustration. Listen, dude. Don't fucking worry about your music. Get in the fucking ring. Right? Continue to work. Production. There's a production issue. It's no one's fault. Fucking be a professional and get the ring. Man, I'll be. That would have pissed me off. You just, just, you look like an idiot doing that. If he came to me in the back, oh man, and went told me like, oh man, what my music? I'm like, well, fuck your music. You know, like, it doesn't matter. Get in the ring, start doing your thing. Shit, want to be a mark, man? Like, God, so that just like, it made me livid. Just made me livid seeing that. And then he gets in the ring and he starts. Yeah, and people start feeding him for his clothesline that looked like crap. He's not, you know, doesn't gear back, doesn't put no body language to him, doesn't put no oomph to it, just just, just throws his arms out, hits a guy. Molly Spartan comes up from behind him. Yeah, she's okay. I mean, she's, you know, the, the, like I said, the pipe didn't do anything. She's not bleeding. She's not, doesn't have fucking, yeah, she's fine. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad she's fine because, you know, but like, it was like, like I'm saying, like, it meant like the steel pipe. She got hit in the head and it meant nothing. 
So, like I said, Sweeney's backs to Molly Spartan. Molly Spartan grabs him by the shoulder, like the left shoulder. She's going to spin him around, right, to probably give him a form or give him a punch or whatever she's about to do. But he just kind of throws a back elbow because he feels someone touch him. Boom, back elbow. Boom. Gets no reaction in the crowd. Zero. Just happened. Why? Because they already saw her got hit with the pipe and, and she's fine, right? Like, so what the fuck's a back elbow? Big, you know, big deal. He turns around and he feels bad about it. <laughs> whatever. He gets eliminated. Whatever. Match number, uh, match number, God, I keep saying that. Entrant <laughs> number 30 was Levi. Wonderful. Like, like he just, like, this, you know, looked like a decent little athlete, but this seemed like a, like, you know, a wah wah for like a number 30, really. You know, it didn't, it didn't win. It didn't, it wasn't at the end. Or didn't feel like it didn't do, wasn't a game changer. Just nothing. Did, you know, didn't, didn't come out and use it to his advantage being the last man in, right? You think? So, it, number 30 should be saved for someone of importance. It doesn't have to be, a top top guy, but someone that people actually kind of care about. Maybe, maybe this crowd does, but from the reaction, it didn't seem like they did. Like it wasn't a big a reaction. So, um, the final four were Leighton Buzzer, Theodoros, who, like I said, lasted for this whole time. Again, wasn't really featured. It was talked about and mentioned here and there for the commentary. Like they are doing a great job. They were actually pretty entertaining this match. I thought. Whoever said Jesus Christ was just popped me big time <laughs> when the, the damn cheese was there. How the best part of the cheese was that that line. I just thought it was hilarious. Um Leighton Buzzer, like I said, Theodoros and BT Gun and ADM. I don't know if ADM would be my final four of this. I would have picked someone else. ADM is like that uh Sakir Ali guy, a tall, lanky guy. You know, he's pale white, long hair, beard. He's like a tall, it does look like a tall Charles Manson, right? He's that kind of, he's a cult leader. That's his gimmick. But he doesn't look intimidating at all. He's just tall. Like, and skinny, like no no muscles. Just, just wears a shirt, you know. And his And his work is just horrendous. Just, his selling was just awkward, and his his heat was like crap. I, I don't know why he's in this position. He is like I, maybe he's a manager, but not in the ring. Uh, so that was so I would have picked picked someone else. You could like you could told the manifesto story, their story within the match, and you wouldn't have to use it. For, you wouldn't have to. I wouldn't have it for the final four. But I mean, if I watch ICW Fight Club and. We'll see how it works going forward with that with the manifesto, but unless they're working with someone I like, I'm not going to watch a match of this. Just, just I'm just not. Sorry. Um, Kaz Evans, the, the ICW champion, comes out and he grabs BT Gun's wrist. He starts trying to pull him out. So think 1992 Hulk Hogan and trying to pull out Sid Justice, right? And this is basically essentially what they did—the same kind of thing. Like, so he's trying to Kaz Evans trying to. Pull out BT Gun. The referee's trying to stop Kez Evans. Finally, uh, uh, Theo Daros comes up from behind 
and uh, oh no, sorry, excuse me, sorry. ADM comes from behind and eliminates uh, BT Gun. Yeah. And then Leighton Buzzer and Theo Daros, they end up double teaming and clotheslining ADM over the top rope, who lands on his feet like the Undertaker <laughs> and fucking stares him down and is angry. And just like, you know, just not believe this guy at all. He's just, I believe the Undertaker could do that and look badass doing it. But uh, so it comes down to Leighton Buzzard and Theodoros. And they have a good little match to kind of finish it off. Good little finale here. Both really good young workers, good athletes. They kicked up the tempo. Uh, Buzzard hit his 450. Uh, Daros hit his flying elbow drop. Um, this was good stuff. And. Buzzard hit a Uranagi and then popped up and like did the stare, his arms out at him, like, come on, get up. And and, and then end up tossing out, just throwing out Theodaros. I think this is a little critique here. Leighton Buzzard should have hit the Uranagi, grabbed him. Get a big rebel yell. Ah, just toss him out. Like, it had to be all one. Like, it just looked awkward. Like, you just, yeah, you know, like, like, like it should have been all quick bam and then elimination. And then you soak in the tears. Then you, sh- you know, like he fells his knees and arms out and just, you know, that's what it's just kind of like, kind of the momentum just kind of dropped for just a tad it was a tad but it felt like a big big time a big drop and so that's just my critique but i'm glad Leighton buzzer won he's a, he's a good good talent and um him versus kez evans you know as a future title match it's, it's just it's a good match it really is i'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to that so uh so that's that was i say we square go so thanks very much for uh uh listening it was a it was a a lot longer show than i expected but you know it's a rumble it's an hour long rumble so i had to go a little extra i had to go I had to go a little longer here to talk about everything and i kind of broke into some stories and but i had to really dive deep because there's a lot of issues with this, the matches and some of the psychology just was just way off the page man and and so i wanted to point out those and talk about those and give what i would do i hate when there's people that are like well, you know that was stupid what would you do oh well, why do you think it's stupid, right? So I had the experience of a booker for, you know, started booking in 2008 and stopped in 2019, you know. So I'm, I'm many years of booking, and and uh, and so, you know, my opinion is valid here. And so I wanted to point out the booking mistakes. and Because I, I love booking. I love laying out a show. I love all that. That's my favorite. That's my passion. And, and so... There's a lot of a lot of a lot of issues here with a lot of stuff, but the guys I really like all stood out and they all look good. I wish some of them got a little better moments, but you know, it's just it is what it is. But I look forward to continuing watching ICW and watching my favorites and watching them grow as workers and hopefully see them on the you know a bigger stage than ICW. ICW is a good stage, but I mean, you know, I mean, wants to go make that big big money, and I, I hope they do because they're talented. And so, so yeah, it was a lot of fun, and I hope you guys enjoyed this. Again, I hope, I'm sorry again for a longer show, but I hope you stuck around and to the end and listened to it. Please give me a follow on Twitter, LaRocketJL. 
That's L-A-R-O-C-C-A-J-L. Give me a follow. Um, and uh, let me know what you think of the show. Did it does pique your interest to checking out Square Go? Did you did you agree with my critiques? Did you or was I off? What what do you think they're a little wrong? You want to talk to me about it? I'd left definitely love to talk to you about anything about the show and the other shows that I covered. So everyone, man, be safe out there. The pandemic is not gone yet. So be safe. And I'll see you next week with another show. Another great Take It Home podcast. Have a good night. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.